before you get off the golf course today, you could have some moments that will change the course of your life. Hello and welcome to the Golf Practice Podcast. My name is Andy Hayes. With me on this Friday afternoon, wonderful Friday afternoon, the snow has melted, golf is around the corner. Sun is out. Is Days are getting longer. Yeah. Pete Lineweber and Peter Donahue, guys. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah, good to be man. back. Hey, this is a, it's the truest definition of a golf practice free swim. <laughs> uh, I asked you this 20 minutes ago, and we're just... We're going to jump in. We're going to jump in. Pete, put the... Uh, the technology together. I you're did. finishing up your lunch, and yeah. uh, this is this is you're right. This is absolutely a golf practice podcast. Yeah. Um, I just finished a lesson with a, a hickory golfer. It's a human, a human golfer who uses hickory <laughs> clubs. But Wait, it was he actually uses them. Oh yeah. Oh and wow. Pete, and he's from down too. under. Yeah, he's from Australia. I <laughs> saw Pete swinging them. I thought they were yours, Pete. Yeah. But you no. said that they were. Your there student. That's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. He plays them. Yeah. It's very cool. Yeah. Um, yep. Synchronicity, boys. How many clubs? How many clubs? I feel like there are like five. Not, not. No, there are more. There well, are there f- five uh, irons or something. Okay, like five. That. Yeah, sure. Five or six irons, a, a wood, a and a putter. Yeah. So. Is it persimmon or is it? Yeah, it's, it's oh. some sort of cherry or. I'm not sure. It must. I mean, the shaft is hickory. I don't know what the head oh, is. Wow. Hickory shaft and a hardwood yeah. head. You know, yeah. they. I mean. Dense heads. Um, Don't see many of those on the golf streets these days. No, oh but he was God. hitting them. He says he he said he um, plays them at the Merritt Club. He's a member there. That's so he, cool. And wow. He that's what he plays. He likes. He said he likes knowing, uh, like when he beats when he beats his friends. He likes knowing that he beat them with his skill and not with something he bought in the golf shop. Or that, or that the win wasn't purchased in the yeah. golf shop. So, with like his he's, cheater club, he's inspiring. Says Todd. Yeah, he, oh Todd my God, he, he is a kindred spirit. Exactly. So <laughs> it's always it's been a great morning. Wow. I, I guess I had my own uh, experience this week. I was playing, switching back to my the new Callaway Paradigm driver. It cost six hundred dollars, but I got it for free. So I didn't. Yeah, lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, do you still but value it the same? No, not at not at <laughs> not at all. Let me tell you a story about that. I was thinking about that as I was riding up here. I used to love I lo- like I, I like going to Starbucks. I got Starbucks coffee this morning. One of my students one of my students got me a, a Christmas gift, a hundred dollar gift card to Starbucks. Wow. I thought it was great. It's like this is gonna just take care of my coffee. I don't get it there like I make coffee at home, but sometimes I'll get an extra one in the afternoon or in the morning. Um, but since Christmas, I go way less frequently because, because I know it's, it's like a free thing now. It's like, I don't it's have to get, spend money on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I don't want this. It's like, I'm glad this $5 drink is free, but it's like, I don't want it as much because I haven't had to, you know, in, invest in, you know, it's the same thing with the clubs. So. Um, oh, what an analogy there. <laughs> I mean, it's it's just it's not even an analogy. It's like here's the same yeah, exact yeah. S- story that that happens with everything. Like we think we want. Oh, imagine if I could have free Starbucks for life. Think about that. But it's like I I have free Starbucks for two months and and I don't you know 
I guess I'm happy that I when I go, but it's just kind of crazy how it has mm-hmm. switched. So so anyway, back to my my driver. It goes, really, when you switch from a persimmon to it, it's like just goes like a lot straighter. Just every time, it's like wow, this is so easy. The first time Pete and I played, hit every single fairway with the new club. You mean on the simulator? On the simulator, yeah. Yeah, we played nine holes. He was seven for seven, and it wasn't like they were squeaking no, in the fairway. It was, just it was like just right down the middle every time. I actually commented on it two or three times. It was like said, playing you against yourself, isn't it? No, 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 <laughs> no. no. I was still missing fairways. He still hit some out of bounds with the, with the modern one. Oh wow! Um, but, but, uh, but it just leaves a when you go between the two, it doesn't leave. You know, don't value it quite as much. Yeah. Hitting a straight drive is like, oh, this is just, this is just the technology doing yeah. this for me. Yeah. Which okay, fine. Um, but so so today I was playing. They have TrackMan has these online tournaments. So this morning in between lessons, I was gonna play in one, and I it's free. You just do it. And I did the front nine with my persimmon clubs, and I shot even even on the front nine, which is not good enough for tournament golf. I need to be. I've done it before. You, you need to be. Five, six under. For to, nine? Yeah. No, for 18. For oh, 18 okay. holes. No, yeah. I, I saw the nine hole one. The leaders were like seven under. Okay. Yeah. I guess it depends on, it depends on the course and the settings yeah. that they have it on. But like you need you need to be making some birdies yeah. out there. So I'm like, okay, I need to, I'm going to switch to the, you know, my modern clubs for the back nine. Mm-hmm. And let's see, let's see what the difference was. And so the first hole, hole 10, drive right down the middle, really straight. And then I was 80 yards out and I made it in the hole from 80 yards for wow. eagle, I'm like wow, this is so easy. <laughs> it was the clubs. <laughs> Good lord, I don't know holding it and out. Then, no, but I'm like oh, but so in my mind, this is just a where my mind goes is I, oh, you know, I only had that wedge because of the driver, you know, it's further mm-hmm. up. But if mm-hmm. I, you know, I would have had a pitching wedge instead of the sand wedge if I had a persimmon so i never could have done it with the persimmon i only could do it with this and i'm feeling good next hole it's like water up the left side i'm like oh this never goes left and i hit it in the water (laughs) bogey (laughs) so i finished at even i finished even on the back with the new club so i finished the same exact score i hit a lot better drives but you know still finished even interesting yeah Yeah, it really is um so that's my story that's a story good story, Andy. Guys, I walked in on you. You were talking about Gandhi. You were talking about, I don't know what else. What else going on? There sounded like there's a lot going on up in the, you know, in the room, and we yeah. had to get, you know, get the mics going. Yeah, yeah. So well, where are we? Started? We were we yeah. were in our coaching meeting yesterday, kind of going through how our winter phase two session has been going for our different classes, and I made a comment about how I've I run the Sunday. Um, junior essentials program which is our beginner level program for you know five to 13 year olds and i've done it for over two years now so probably over 100 sundays and i I mentioned that i'm starting to run out of ideas and pete as i got in this morning pete said you know do you want to talk about that at all and i at first was like i I think i have some good stuff and then it kind of went down this path of a million different directions and we got to gandhi and we got to God knows what we got to a lot, but Pete was telling me a lot about how he's been. How long have you been in the golf business? How many years? Well, I'm you know uh, fifty five. Oh, is that right? No, fifty fifty five. Yeah, I'm seventy. Oh, forty five. So forty five years. So I'm twenty six years old. I 
joined the golf practice and the golf business in 2020. So that's about three years, a little bit less. Granted, I worked for you in the summers as a college student, but I wouldn't really put that in the same realm. But so three years compared to 45. Yeah. It's a little bit of a difference there. So I, I know, and I have always known, but I didn't really truly appreciate how much knowledge Pete's got up in his brain. I think this podcast does well to document some of that stuff, but um, that's kind of where the conversation originated, and then it got got down a bunch of different paths. And it's yeah. just getting started. I think we're about 5% through that convo, so we'll oh, have to yeah. Yeah. pick back up here soon. It's a great conversation. Mm-hmm. Somebody said to me, you know, uh, when we had our grand opening, uh, uh, you know, I met somebody who I had never met before, and, and you know, and he said, well, who are you? And I said, I introduced myself, and and he said, uh, I said, well, I, you know, f- founded this with Chris, and uh, he said, before I, he interrupted me, he said, I know who you are, you're the institutional memory, and I was thinking about that, and I was thinking, I don't feel like that, you know, I don't feel like, uh, you know, the institutional memory is, hey, boys, this is how, why we developed the things we developed, this is what we were thinking, this is where we are, and uh, I don't feel that's ever really happened, you know, I mean, um, I mean, you guys honor me in a lot of ways, but like young people, you um, naturally assume, as I did, that if I stand next to you and you tell me something, that I really know what you know. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, most young men and women, you know, uh, reinvent. They want to reinvent it. They don't. They don't want old ideas. I mean, if you listen to Andy, you know, he he doesn't like old ideas and barely likes old people. You know, but <laughs> he's very respectful of me, <laughs> and so I appreciate that. Uh, but you know, old guys. Uh, get you know who especially who pass their businesses on are generally frustrated because they realize that first of all young people aren't that interested in their ideas because they figure hey my ideas are better Mm -hmm. you know and so they go forward from there and so so in any case you know uh as um as an old guy you get kind of angry and frustrated sometimes with that but you know reaching a place of generosity of spirit is like a big project for me you know because i as i sit at this point in my life i realize that um you know how i do things and how i sometimes you know just uh, will withhold myself you know from people uh because that's what i do and then at one point some time back you know, Andy said, well, something about teaching, and you don't teach anymore. And I said, wait. I said, I'll be back. I'm just trying to figure out some things about myself that mm-hmm. will allow me to come back, you know, in a way that uh, that when I run into people who don't really value or appreciate what I have, that I don't withhold myself from them, you know, that I find a way to um, be more generous and to work from their point of view instead of my point of view. And so that's a, you know, I think life prepares you. And, uh, you know, as I told you guys at our last podcast, you know, 
when the student is ready, the teacher will appear, and uh, and that's what's happened. You know, I have a I I have this thing in front of me here, which I believe in. It's a concept called synchronicity, and it's about coincidence. And the definition is <clears throat> the simultaneous occurrence of events which appear significantly related but have no discernible causal connection. What does synchronicity, and here's a question that Google will give you, what does synchronicity mean spiritually? Synchronicities are incidents of spiritual significance that ask us to momentarily dampen our self-obsession and consider the possibility of the divine. Synchronicity, synchronistic experiences leave us with a curious sense that we should pay attention. And so, you know, uh, that, uh, that happens uh, to me and to uh, over and over again. And it's kind of, I feel like, uh, I feel like has happened, you know, in our relationships. I feel that there's, you know, like, why did that happen? Why did, why did we meet? You know, was that just random stuff, just complete happenstance? You know, the guy that I alluded to last time, the trainer, you know, who's been coaching me, you know, has, uh, in my, what he's been taught me has opened up uh, me through physical exercise. And his coaching has been uh, an extraordinary experience. His name is Todd Bitzer. He's in Gray's Lake. And, um, you know, and, and as I thought coming in today about, you know, should I ever write a book? It would probably, if it wouldn't be titled what you gave us last time, which was, which was Temporarily what? Immortal. Temporarily Immortal. <laughs> <laughs> it would have something to do with thanking my teachers. Uh, and, um, and you guys are among them. Oh, do you have examples of this synchronicity? With what do you what do you mean? How, uh... I would say that that um, you know it was uh, synchronistic for me to, as a for instance, meet uh, Todd uh, Todd Bitzer. Um, you know, I I was in here in the Cube three years ago in December, and I was uh, moving stuff around in the back storeroom. And uh, nothing necessarily traumatic happened, but the next day I was, uh, I've never been in pain like that. The pain that was coming out of my low hip and, uh, and low, my low back and left hip was radiating throughout my being. And uh, I made appointments with three different physical therapists in, in, in a week. Uh, and... Uh, and I met uh, Todd Bitzer at uh, this uh, uh, therapy, deep tissue massage place that I've been going to for 17 years, you know, or you know, 15 years since my since my mid 50s when I, my body started to tighten up, and and I go to different physical therapists, and they, 
you know, massage and push on me and tell me how tight and stiff my body was in the pelvis and in the thoracic spine. And, and um, I never really thought there was anything, you know, they always recommended, uh, you know, at some point doing exercise. But then when I'd go to a, a trainer and stuff and I'd, they'd test me out and give me exercises, I'd always end up getting hurt. Something about doing the exercises, I'd always hurt my low back, I'd, I'd hurt this, and it was really frustrating because it took, um, it took away my confidence. You know, it was a mystery. Why was I, what was this happening? And I felt, I felt like it, I, I would generally quit, you know, and, uh, and it made me feel like a quitter. So now it's like, <laughs> it's not only frustrating, it's, it's like weakening my strength of will so you know i met this guy and the only reason i got an appointment with him was because everybody else was full and he said well i don't do things exactly the same way as everybody else does i can stick my thumb into your sore muscle or i can even stick a needle in it but what i do mostly is exercise and so uh, i'd been I moved, because I met him, I moved from, from thinking about uh, recovery as a passive player who was being passively massaged to an active player, somebody who was learning to exercise in such a way that they would restore health to their body. And uh, what I found in that you know the specificity and the and just his manner his approach you know he um that his he was uh, you know an extraordinary teacher you know and uh and and it's and as a result of what i've learned i'm becoming less lazy um uh, i wouldn't say you know i wouldn't put the level of where i am in the level of high commitment uh but i'm getting there uh and and it's you know it's it's enabled me it's opened me up to the idea of taking on challenge uh of not being discouraged by it to know that mindful exercise will move you forward and as you said about uh some days you're good and some days you're not i mean that's just the way it is Mm -hmm. You know that that you can you can study and learn everything there is to know about you know golf and still suck certain days. Yeah, you know it's just the way things are. Yeah. The juggler, you know, practiced every practices every day for hours, and sometimes the audience doesn't notice that he's struggling, but he knows it, and that's just the the sine curve up yeah. and down peaks and valley nature of things and that you know marketers uh try to con us into believing that there's a, a way out of that as we complain about it is a disservice you know because as we talked about last time life golf is difficult and once you embrace that it's no longer a trouble to you. You know, you can transcend it. And, uh, you know, 
I look at golf as the possibility that it's a vehicle for enlightenment. And as long as you're deluded into thinking that the answer is in some quick cure, you know, that you don't have to pay for, like Andy's saying, like you don't value it. Right. Sounds like uh, this Todd, that's his name, your doctor? Todd Bitzer. He's a, he's a, your PT, physical, yeah, a physical PT. therapist. You talk about him a lot. It sounds like he's played a pretty he's a pretty big player in your life in the last three years. And you found him by chance. By, by chance. Absolute How about that? chance. Yeah. Absolute chance. And it happens all the time. Yeah. Why did you know, I'm down helping Juan Espeo, who's a damn nearly a saint, uh, from Maryville Academy at, at Providence St. Mel's, and we're exchanging ideas about how to teach and and he's a guy who comes at golf teaching from a very traditional point of view form let's learn form i'll teach you form and um and you know and i said to him you know i I come at it from a different point of view you know i i i I really think that the fun of a game that you can play is where we should come from and golf is a challenging and difficult game because the stick is difficult to understand. and But golf came from field, a form of field hockey. The Chinese were playing it before Christ was born. And, um, and, and the French played it, and the Dutch played it on ice, and it got to Scotland, and they changed it. They changed the target to a hole in the ground, and they called it golf. But it's, it comes from field hockey. And if you pl- start playing that, you learn things that are so straightforward that nobody has to teach you. Mm-hmm. You learn to bow over to reach the ground. You learn to stand far enough away to reach the, the ball. You understand the club face because you're passing it to a partner or shooting it towards a goal. Nobody has to tell you about a straight club face. You don't need to deliberately teach anybody that. But you can draw it out from them. You can say, you know, how do you stand? How do you prefer to do it? And you can open up their awareness of what they're doing by providing references like sticks on the ground, like images of a clock face, like compasses, like mirrors, like do it this way and then do it that way. And, uh, and so we're talking about this stuff, and we walk into the gymnasium, and there's a gym teacher there with a class that we just taught this morning of eighth graders. And what this gym teacher is doing is something that he's not ever done to this point. He's pulling out floor hockey equipment. Same plastic sticks <laughs> that we have, blue for this team, yellow for this team. He's got different pucks and balls in this thing that he's pulling out. And these kids are waving it, and they're saying, this is just like golf. And he's, they're swinging him in the air, and he says, no, 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 no. <laughs> That's high-sticking. It's too dangerous. You're getting the sticks around the eyes. You can't do that. And so, so Juan and I are, are standing there, and we said, let's go play. <laughs> 
So these 70-year-old guys are playing with these 17-year-old guys, and we're having a ball. And girls. Yeah. You know, and it's like, why the hell did that happen? That's synchronicity as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. There's an Irish philosopher named Peter Rollins that I like, and he has a, a reading of Christianity where he talks about how there's like the sect, not a sect, a group of philosophers who have a, an interpretation called radical Christianity. And they talk about how um, the story in the Bible was that like the Jewish people wanted to be saved from the Romans. Like that was just like yeah. their underlying thing. And they they thought like a savior would come and say like literally like save them from like political oppression. And then like Jesus came and they all were like, Oh, this is our guy. This is like the person who's going to save us. And then as we know, like Jesus was actually like killed. And so they're saying like, that's an example of them of like this thing like that will come and save you. Like the example is like God showing you like, Oh, that's actually not how it works at all. Right, that it's like God is showing you that like this salvation actually like doesn't exist, and so like you need to like embrace the, I don't know, the reality as it is, rather than looking for these other things like a six hundred dollar driver or whatever else to to save you. So yeah, or Starbucks, yeah. Yeah. Starbu yeah, or look for God within yourself yeah. instead yeah. of like a, yeah, a right. third person. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I mean, that's like there. It's th there and everything of like that. This is this this idea of like, can you em embrace or like accept reality for it? It's with all the difficulties um, that that will like help you be better. Like be better. Yeah. So that's where mm -hmm. I never on that that podcast I asked you guys about about like the afterlife, and I never answered for myself. I noticed, but like to me, the this this idea if if you buy into like, hey, like life is tough or there, or there are certain parts that are like tough about it, but like, that's actually like what makes it so good. Right. Like mm -hmm. if it was free, if, if Starbucks was free all the time, we wouldn't value it the same way as if there was like a little bit of like struggle and suffering involved. Same thing with golf. If we made a hole in one, every hole, we wouldn't like it. Right. Right. But like everyone's definition of, or not, maybe not your guys, but everyone's interpretation of the afterlife is that like, Oh, it's this, perfect place where there's no nothing wrong ever happens and so to me that makes absolutely no sense because that's so different to the world that we have now that's actually like pretty good unless you think like oh the world now is wrong and it would be better the other way but i kind of don't think about that don't think that's true no anymore no 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 that you know and that was a, a sales job that uh, the catholic church uh you know started peddling uh you know to keep people uh you know keep the how the romans uh decided finally decided to stop persecuting and to embrace it was that they realized that it was a glue that held society together it, it served their purpose mm -hmm. and so and so then you know the idea that life was pain and that that uh that's and that that uh, your your perfection or your heaven was in the afterlife, you know. It was like that's what they started peddling, and they started, you know, I, they started killing the ideas that were coming from classical uh, Greek and and Roman thinkers, such as you and I talked about this the other day, uh, Epicurus or Epicurus, 
mm-hmm. um, you know, who believed that life was about creating wonderful moments, was yeah. creating heaven on earth. And, uh, and they, you know, they, that's why they started uh, burning <laughs> the libraries and, and um, you know, and trying to squelch that. And, you know, there was a guy, uh, I, I told you about that, that book, uh, Swerve, which was about a, a scribe, and he was he was the papal secretary, and he would search. He was a book searcher, and and he would he would uh, he was uh, riding his donkey, you know, through the mountains of of northern Italy, when he came upon a um, a monastery, you know, much like you know the Roman monasteries uh, were the houses of knowledge because they were so isolated, you know, that they didn't get destroyed. Uh, and, um, and this scribe came upon this uh, text written by Epicurus. And he rescued, so he rescues this text and he brings it back to Florence. And he copies it. And he starts passing out the copies to the young Renaissance thinkers of the mm-hmm. day. And he causes history to swerve because it became part of the enlightenment of the Renaissance. Well, Epicurus and making, making great moments in life sounds a lot like our, one of our last episodes about finding the miracles in golf, right? I mean, I think... I think I talked about this a couple podcasts ago about my mindset as a golfer in as a high schooler and a college player where I was like, this isn't supposed to be fun. You're supposed to work hard and it's going to be a grind. And then the, the, you know, the result is what makes you feel good. Not necessarily the, the journey of the round or the journey of the season or whatever you want to call it. So, Epicurus had he knew something. He definitely knew something. And the church, you know, tried to reduce him to eat, drink, and be merry. Yeah. You know, because tomorrow we all may all be dead. You know, it's just like, oh, what's that about? Orgies and you know, and, and that kind of life. I mean, that's how they they tried to trivialize his right. his <laughs> his very profound philosophies. But I mean, it's wild how influential all this, this like thinking is for me. Like growing up, the evangelical church is probably more like this than the Catholic church. Of just like, the life is basically, uh, you know, it's full of sin and bad things. But it's like, a, it's almost a, a version of a test that like you have to make sure you say the right the right prayer. So when you die, you get to the good place, not the bad place. And so like that just whole thing of like, oh, this is. The, what you're doing now doesn't matter. What matters is like what happens next or like the results, right? right? Mm-hmm. And so like that's what you're saying, Pete, of like, oh, the result is the only thing that matters uh, in, you know, in golf or yeah. in other, in, in your job. The only thing that matters is how much money you make or you can just see all these different ways of like evaluating things. Um, you know, you could take it to social media, how many followers you have or how many podcast lessons you get to. Yeah, it's, it's like endless. the only thing that yeah. matters. But like, that's just so like baked into into everything that we have. Um, yeah, it is baked into what we have, and that's what uh, you know. 
the uh, the joy of us getting together, you know, on a regular basis and sharing, you know, this uh, sharing this together is an energizing experience for me. Beyond, and I couldn't get there without you guys. And that's what I felt, you know, as I, I told you guys in the staff meeting yesterday. You know, that last, the staff meeting we had a week ago where Chris was sharing uh, stuff that he and Jans, Jansen had shared with him, and it finally came to, you know, fruition in Chris's mind, and uh, and he was sharing it with us. And to me it was like, well, as I said, you know, this is where we started 40 years ago, sensory-based learning, activity-based learning, you know, and we lost it. And Can you talk a little more about that? Like, what do you mean 40 years? Like, we started, what does that mean? What did you do? Give us some examples. Well, we started with, um, you know, we started with, a, uh, with notions about, about creating uh, experiences about how the swing looked with a ribbon, red ribbon, gymnastics ribbon club on the end of a, of a golf club, you know, so that people could see from the inside swinging it and from the outside watching someone else swing it, things like swing plane and swing path. And to, to help people understand the, 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 the use and the sensation of kinematic sequence we had them throwing impact bags uh, that had weight so that they could feel what their bodies would do naturally when they tried to hurl something heavy, how the, 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 the unwinding would happen in this elastic fashion from the ground up. The hips would, hip turn would lead and pull the torso turn, and the torso turn would power the arms and the and then the the shaft would hinge at the wrists and create a whip sensation and so and to the idea of measuring and reach you know we we um we created a triangle out of the the arms and the hands and we had a a yellow ri- a yellow rope that we'd stretch on the ground which we put white tape around and and we kind of showed the link between the extent the club being an extension of the triangle that that would reach the ground and then we'd move the club out of the way and we'd lift the rope up off the ground and and have the students come to a reach where they they're arcing back and forth in a very small way would brush the the ball or the white tape on the rope and then we'd explore like well, how could you reach beyond the rope? And, and we oh, and then the students would bend their knees more, or bend over more, or lean towards their toes more. Oh, these are all the ways that we could overreach the ball. And now, how could we underreach it? You know, we could stand up. We could lean back on our heels. We could pull our arms in. Oh, these are all the ways that you could underreach the ball. So now we're armed with a way to explain to ourselves or at least to have a clue as to where to look so that we could measure our own experiences. We had the tools to do that. 
and um, and so other things like yeah, the golf club is is more difficult to understand is difficult to understand because of the lofted face, but understanding the face, you could do with something simpler like a tennis racket or a flat bat, where you know you naturally had to consider the face because with a regular stick bat, you don't have to consider the face. Well. Could we use a stick bat to illuminate anything? Yeah. Without somebody worrying about the face, they might be able to, to feel power and feel and hear the, the swoosh of the club. And what would that swoosh tell us? Well, we'd like to hit the ball around the time we were swooshing the loudest, wouldn't we? And so, you know, what can you learn with your ears and your, and your eyes and, you know, how tight you're gripping something. Those are the, that's the, the language of movement that I, I refer to. And I know I, by using that label, I've misled all of you because it sounds like what I'm saying is, well, <laughs> let's make the language come first. And no, the language comes from each of us sharing what that feels like. If you lifted up a cup and you held it in front of Eddie Sue, who comes from China, and you pointed to it and said, Eddie, what do you call that? And she told you, and you said, I call it a cup. Mm -hmm. You would then agree, like, well, what will we call it together? And that's what I mean by creating a language of movement it's like they understand they use the words as a catalog for their minds to go find an experience of something well thank you pete guys we have to cut short today could keep going for hours we will um we'll we'll check back in with you guys next week yeah Super. Who's who are you rooting for in the Super Bowl? Uh, oh, the Chiefs. You yeah, it looked like be. you were wondering, and then you were like, "Oh wait, no, it's obvious." Well, he forgot what you were. He didn't <laughs> right away recognize. Well, what are you yeah, talking the about? Chiefs. They have yeah, no the guy, Mahomes. See, everyone. I'm just like so annoyed how much everyone likes Joe Burrow. He's just boring. He doesn't. Well, he's not that good of a player. Well, he doesn't do anything <laughs> special. <laughs> <laughs> he he just is like a really good like your typical quarterback stands yeah. in there but makes the throws. Mahomes is, is is something special. Mahomes is unbelievable, but you yeah. could say the same thing about Jalen Hurts, right? He's not Joe Burrow. He's Jalen Hurts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. he's just he's. But he's just like he's, they've got like an incredible team. Like you could put. Yeah. Any stiff back there. I, I, the reason I have a I have a soft spot for Jalen Hurts is I remember in, in college when he um, got benched for yeah. Tua Tagovailoa, and they won the national championship. But then the next year, he, Tua got hurt. He came in, stayed on the team as a backup. Yeah. We're talking about like a five star recruit. Yeah. Everyone else is transferring. Everybody. I mean, the transfer situation nowadays is crazy. Stays on the team, comes in the second half in in relief and wins the game. Transfers the next year, does okay, but then goes to the pro. Like he was kind of like thrown by the wayside, yeah, for a little bit there. And then at the beginning of his co- his pro career, was kind of made fun of, wasn't great, and 
Oh, he, Here we are. It'd be kind of cool if I, I I don't have anything against the Chiefs or Mahomes, but it's a cool. perfect way to end this podcast, though. Yeah. Pro sports. Fly, Eagles, fly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't care at all. I don't I don't, I don't either. Yeah. I don't either. <laughs> all right. I'll see you guys next Bye. week. See you later. Before you get off the golf course today, you could have some moments that will change the course of your life. Thank you.